Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Hey, man. Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, man. So grateful uh, just to gather uh, in the house of the Lord and uh, to worship and lift high the name of Jesus. Uh, I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and uh, go ahead and be turning to Philippians chapter number 3. Uh, if you're a guest with us uh, this morning, we're so grateful that you are here. We are walking uh, through the book of Philippians verse by verse, and we are uh, beginning in verse number 12 today of chapter number 3. And uh, just, again, so grateful that you have uh, chosen to be with us this morning, and we would love uh, to connect with you as you're ready to connect with us along the way. You'll see some uh, some connect cards in the back of some of the seats uh, around. And if you uh, have not connected with us before, we'd love for you to uh, just leave us a note there to, to take that. And you can turn that in uh, to some of our host team as you leave, and they'll have a, a gift for you there. You can also drop that uh, in the offering box uh, at the exit as you leave, and we can connect there. Uh, prayer requests, things like that, we'd love to hear from you. We have a gift we'd love to send uh, and share with you that can just help you as you continue to uh, pursue Christ and grow in the grace and knowledge of who He is. Just a great resource uh, for you there. Uh, also encourage you, if you have the Cowie Church app, you can follow along uh, in sermon notes there. You can find information about uh, our Wednesday nights, our Sunday school uh, classes and small groups that meet just before this hour. So uh, at the 10 a.m. hour, there are small groups that meet throughout uh, the building, and then again on Wednesday night. And you can find information about uh, all those things in the app or also uh, online at cowie.church. So uh, please uh, plan to check out some of those things along the way. Uh, again, we're, we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 3 today, uh, beginning in verse 12. And, you know, Paul uh, loved to use sports analogies. We would see in his writing that uh, I think he might have been, either, either he was really a, a, a Dogs fan, like a Georgia fan, or uh, maybe not. I'm not sure. I was listening to his Chris preached last week, uh, the very first part of chapter 3. He said, watch out for them dogs. So, uh, I don't know. You can see uh, where, where that's at. But he loved uh, those sports analogies. And one of the favorites that Paul liked to use was to liken this Christian life to a race and, and to this run that we are in. And, I, and I love that analogy. And for those of you that know me and know my family, uh, you know that I'm a track dad. Like for uh, a long uh, season here, I have spent a good bit of my time watching people run. And there's some of those folks uh, in the room that I, that I love to watch run and that I love to see uh, on, on the field and, and on the track and just to enjoy those moments. And, you know, I keep saying that one of these days... Um, I'm going to get together like an old dad relay. I'm going to recruit like Barry and some guys. We're going to go out. We're going to race. It's going to be awesome. But there's something about a race. You know, we all love a good race. I mean, we could say like after church, all the men are going to get outside and they're going to run. People will stay. Nobody will be worried about lunch. I mean, it's all those kind of things. We get those kind of things. And really, when you think about racing, right, when you think about those kind of things, when you think about running, a lot of times it's easier to be a spectator on the sidelines than it is to be in the race. But what I want to encourage you with today is that if you are in Christ, that you are in uh, the race. And you're not a spectator watching others run, but that you are in uh, this race. Now, when you watch uh, running, it's always the end that you really, you know, are excited to see. 
I love certain uh, events. I look back, I see David Morgan back there, just a track coach for many years. And one of, uh, one of our favorite events, one of his favorite events, I think, was the 4x4 four four, uh, relay. This 4x400 four meter relay is the last event of every track meet. And you've been there 11 hours and 42 minutes by the end, right? And you are, you are ready by then. I don't know if it's the excitement because it's the last event or because uh, you've been anticipating it, but so long. Right? But it's my favorite event for, for a lot of reasons. But one, Seems like a lot of times this event, everything's kind of riding on it. Like the whole, who's going to win the whole meet, the team that's going to win, it all connects to that. Well, a few years back, I really got to experience that event in a way uh, that, that has forever been a special moment in my life. Hope was, was part of a 4x400-meter relay team, and they were at the state championship. And uh, this race, uh, there was a young lady named Dylan Garcia that I just love uh, to watch run, still enjoy seeing her uh, run as she runs in college, and, and she was the final leg of this race. And I want to I take you for just a moment into that race, and then we're going to lean in uh, to what God has for us uh, in his word uh, this morning. But you'll see Dylan, she's going to be uh, kind of in the, about the third place in this, and you'll kind of see her finish this leg uh, with her eyes on the prize. So y'all check this out, and we'll jump in. Yeah, and you know, when, when we were watching that race, like the whole stands, even people that didn't know uh, anything about who we were or who she was just went crazy, right? And there was this moment where just with her eyes on the prize, and she just reaches back, and she just finishes so strong. I, I was out of breath just cheering uh, that day, uh, honestly, right? But, but you know, as I, I think about watching these athletes run, there's a lot that goes into that. Like, she didn't just jump out there that day and, and run that way. Like, there's so much discipline and so much uh, effort and so much training that goes in uh, to these moments, right? The way that they eat, the way that they focus, the, all this discipline that goes into all this. And there's this this reality that rest plays an incredible role in that. Like they'll, the, the week leading up, hope's like, I've got to get to bed early. I've got to, be, you know, we're, we're thinking about all those kind of things. And so when we think about this, this race that we're in, this life that we live as followers of Jesus Christ, I want to preach a message um, to you today from Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 16, called Rest and Run. And, and I want to invite you to stand with me in honor of the reading of the Word of God and We'll read these verses this morning and, and just dive in. Beginning in verse number 12, the scripture says this, Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. Will you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful for your word. God, we thank you for these illustrations that can help our mind uh, see, God, that Paul has given us when he likens this Christian life into a race. Lord, where, uh, where we pursue and are fixed with our eyes on one thing. Lord, and I pray today that you would help us, Lord, in the midst of a life that is so crowded out with so much busyness and so many things. Lord, would you help us leave here with our minds and our hearts and our lives fixed on one thing. One thing that changes everything. And his name is Jesus. And it is in the strong and the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. 
this morning. And I, I wonder, you know, with this question, how are we running? How is it that you are running? And then maybe another question that is appropriate is, what are you running after? What is it that we are running after? Now, Pastor Chris uh, did a great job last week and, and just leaned into the first part of chapter 3. And, and in that passage, we read one of the most powerful uh, just scriptures that, that we can read, one of the most powerful passages in this letter. And Paul calls us to value Christ above all things. He, he would list and... and Pastor Chris read all of these, uh, these credentials, all these things that uh, the Apostle Paul had attained, all these things in his religion that he had attained before Christ. And then Paul would tell us, and he would describe those, those things, and he would say, all those things, I count all things in verse 8 to be considered as loss. Right? He said, I count all things as loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ. As my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Paul is writing this, reminded uh, to us all that, that Paul was writing this from uh, a, a time of being imprisoned. He would uh, be in, a, in house arrest and he would write this letter to the church at Philippi. And this would be a letter that was filled with joy. With joy for the progress of the gospel. With, with, with a letter from, uh, from one that we look to in such a way that when we hear the words of Paul and we see his life that we can't help but just look and it's almost like one of these people that we just look to and he's a hero of the faith he's he's one of these people that that when we we read all of the things that Paul done we think man Paul is the man like Paul has arrived Paul would say you know you know he would he would endure beatings he would endure all of these things imprisonment and he would do that and he would still have this joy in following Jesus and he would say you know what you can chain me up like when he was at Philippi before you know we find him at midnight right we find him uh, in jail there and along about midnight, the Bible says that they were singing and they were praising God. And the Bible tells us that the prisoners that were there were listening. And Paul would say, wherever you put me, Jesus is enough. And, and I count it a privilege to suffer for his name's sake. And no matter what I face, no matter what is going on in this life, I have attained something that is worth more than anything. And it is this relationship with Jesus Christ. And Paul would know that because of this relationship with Jesus Christ, that he had attained a right righteousness that was outside of him and this righteousness would one day allow him to stand in the very presence of God not something that Paul had earned but something that was given to him by Jesus Christ and so Paul would say listen there's nothing whatever comes my way I consider it all lost in 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 light of this wonderful beautiful truth in who Jesus is and that he is my savior so as they would look at him and they would say hey he's probably arrived right they would think this guy Gets it. Now, have you ever met anybody that thinks they have arrived? Have you ever met somebody? You know the kind of person. Like when I was growing up, I would think a church like that, and I would think, you know what, I was a mess. And so uh, I would think, you know, I really don't think I can go to church because when I go to church and I look around, all those people, right, they've got the right things on the outside. And, and for years we've taught people that what you need to do when you go to church is you need, and there's nothing wrong with putting on your best, not trying to get into what you wear. I, you come as you are. We are grateful for you to be here. And, and, and if that's a tie and you want to wear that, that's fine. Whatever that is, it's not, we, we don't, 
we're not concerned with that. But what we are saying is what I've been taught much of my life was that you come and you put on your very best and you look a certain way and, in, and like what's on the outside. You don't let anybody see that what's on the inside is not looking like that. So you come and you make sure that it looks like you've got it all together because we don't want to let anybody know because here's what we thought, that when you looked around that room that everybody else had it all together. Right? Anybody ever felt that way? Like you look around and you say, you know what, they get it. They're, they've attained it, right? And Paul, if there's anybody that could have kind of had that attitude that said, you know what, we're there, that could have been Paul. But Paul was not one of them. And, and I want to encourage you as we look at this, uh, this short passage of Scripture that Paul, first of all, shows us what it looks like to run with sober self-awareness and that he would call us as followers of Jesus Christ to run with sober self-awareness. Now, it's been 30 years since Paul's conversion, and he writes these words in verse 12. He says, Not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Now, there's a danger that we can be satisfied with where we are. There's a danger that we can, can be in this race of this Christian journey and we can look around and, and sometimes we can have this tendency to try to find some people in the journey that aren't running too well. We can find some people that are in the journey that are a little further behind than us maybe and we're thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm doing great. I've got all this thing figured out. We can even find ourselves comparing ourselves with lost people that don't know Jesus and we say, you know what, I'm in pretty good shape. I'm not. I'm, I'm okay. We can get complacent with where we are in our pursuit of Christ. And, and here's the thing. The self-assessment that Paul gave, he said, I'm not already there. I've not attained this yet. And the self-assessment that each of us would give in our lives. Because we know our very thoughts. We know who we are. And we would recognize that we are not there. That, that, that there's not perfection. And what Paul would understand is that it's going to be in the presence of God one day when we experience the fullness of our sanctification and that we are made perfect in his sight at the finish line. And, and, and there's coming a day where we know that there's that promise, but we don't get passive because of the promise. We, we understand that one day we're going to be made new, that all things are going to be made new, and, and there'll be no more sin and no more uh, mess that's in our life. But until that day, Paul says, in life, light of what Jesus has done. We're going to press on toward him. That there's not this, this perfection that we attain in this life, but there is progress that we continue to make toward Jesus Christ. He says, I'm not there yet, but I press on. It's an interesting word. Uh, it's the same word that's used earlier in this chapter in verse 6 where Paul is talking about persecuting Christians. Now, we would think when we read this, we think press on. I wouldn't have thought it would have been that same word. It's a word that in that context would be describing being run out of a city. And so here we have the Apostle Paul who has described his life before Christ. And he was someone who was pressing into and pursuing Christians to persecute them. And now he has been saved by Jesus and he is on uh, this race pursuing Christ. He has gone from, from persecuting Christians to pursuing Jesus. And there is nothing passive about the Apostle Paul. He is after it. And we see it in this passage. We see it in, in Paul's writings. He would say, I, I buffet my body, right? He would say that, I, that we're to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. He would give us this picture that we are to resist the devil. He would give us this action that is taking place in our life. But this action that is taking place in our life is a result of the action that Jesus is taking in our life as he is working in us. Now, the danger, we, we, we 
look around and we're so busy and we have so many things going on, David Platt would, would say something like this, that the adversary has lulled so many to sleep through uh, the, the, the pleasures of this world and through the busyness of our lives. And so when we look at our lives, if we're honest, what are we running for? Are the things that we, as we look at our lives, are we pursuing the pleasures of this world? What would it be described of for those that are outside watching, the spectators, right, that would be around? Like when I'm looking at Dylan run that race and I look at the fire in her eyes at the beginning, there is only one thing on her mind, and it is the finish line. And there is a pursuit of that that is going, right? There's no distraction. There's nothing that, that, is, that is hindering her from that race. She's running with everything because she believes that a state championship is worth all the training and all the work and all the things that have gone on. And she is pursuing that prize with everything that she has. What would the people look at in her lives? When people look in, what would they say? Are we more concerned with comfort or are we more concerned with the cross of Christ? Are we more concerned with furthering ourselves in provision, in the pleasures of this world? Where we're spending so much of our lives pursuing those things while the main thing is being left in secondary place. Paul says, you know what, I've not laid hold of it. And he says, I'm laying hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. And so for, for Dylan and that track team, it was a state championship that they were pursuing. But what is the prize that Paul is pursuing? What is the prize that we as followers of Jesus Christ are pursuing? And what we see in the scripture is that the prize is Jesus, and that as we've sung all morning, He is worthy. He is worthy of all of our praise. He is worthy of us getting up every morning and running with everything that we have in pursuit of Him with, with this heart and this desire, recognizing that I'm not there yet. I thank God I'm not who I used to be, uh, but I, I am sure not what I ought to be, right? And there's this desire that every day that we might get up and we might pursue Christ with everything that is in us, that we might pursue this desire that we would have to be conformed to the image of Christ. So Paul would say, listen, run with sober self-awareness, but also run with saving grace awareness. The last part of chapter 12, he says, I press on so that I may lay hold of for which I was also laid hold of by Jesus Christ. Paul would say the reason that I'm running, the reason that I'm striving is not because I've earned something or because all of a sudden I've placed myself in this race and I'm doing all these things. He would say the reason that I'm running and that I'm striving is because of what Jesus has done in my life. The reason that, that I'm running and I'm striving is because of the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. He has laid hold of me and because of that I'm striving to attain Christ-likeness because of what Jesus has done in my life. I desire to know him fully. I desire to, to be in his word and to learn more and more of who he is because the more beautiful and great he is, the less the things of this world matter. The, the more that I know about him, the more that I love him, the more that I pursue him, the more that I'm able to run unhindered, the more that I fix my eyes on Jesus, the less of the things of this world that I'm trying to carry in the midst of the race and the more that I am pursuing him. He says, listen, I know that 
Paul would understand that there's going to be a time, and it is at the end of this race, when we take our last breath here, or when Jesus returns, right, that we will know him fully. And so there's this promise that Paul clings to. And so because of that, uh, this race that we're in, it's not this this thing that we live in, this constant stress and burden, uh, because we're worried, am I going to be able to run good enough? What am I going to be able to do? I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to, no, 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 no. It's this understanding that Jesus has done done the work, that the race has been ran before us, and that he has finished the course, and that he has given us life in him. The Bible would tell us that he has given us the Spirit of God that lives in us, and as we live this life of a Jesus follower, that it's not just us living for Jesus, we're not just running this race for Jesus, but it is letting Jesus live his life in and through us, and that he is running the race through us, and that we are keeping our eyes fixed on him, and we know that we won't know him fully till the end of the race, but this promise that one day we will be in his presence it is fuel for the race today and so he goes on in verse 13 he says brethren again look at Paul he says I don't regard myself as having laid hold of it yet but one thing I do forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead Paul says again I've not laid hold of this yet the the word in the original language it gives this picture of some of laying your hands on something and seizing it aggressively so when you read this passage I want you to see this, this race and this, this desire that Paul has, there, there is no passivity in any of this. It is this picture of him laying hold of something uh, with this aggressive effort. It's like this athlete, right, that we saw dealing with the runners out in front of her. And, and she is running and pursuing and trying to catch them. And what the Apostle Paul would give us this picture of is that Jesus is in front of him. And he's got his eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith that we would read about uh, in, in another letter, right, that for the joy was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of God. We know that the work is done, that the race is run, but here we are in the midst of this Christian life, and Paul says, listen, we're to run with everything. There's a passion. Listen, if we're living our Christian life and we're just kind of coasting, there is no place in the scripture that we would see that Jesus would save us so that we could coast one day into the finish line, but that we might finish this race running with everything we have because he He alone is worthy. He would call us to run with everything focused on one thing. Look at the wording. He says this one thing. I do. Now, the words I do, if you look at the original language, the words I do are not, uh, are not part of the original language in the, the original language of the New Testament. And what we see in this is they help us, in, and they're implied, and they help us understand what Paul is saying. But literally, when Paul writes this, he says, but one thing, one thing. He says, this one thing has consumed me. This one thing has captivated me. One thing, just this one thing. It would be the same kind of language when we would see Jesus speak of the rich young ruler. And he would say, this one thing you lack. It would be this same kind of thought when we would read about Mary and Martha. And remember when Jesus would say, Martha, Martha, you're busy about so many things. You're busy about so many things. But then he would say, but there's this one thing. It would be the same kind of thought where the psalmist in Psalm 27, but he said, there's this one thing that I desire. There is one thing. And, and here's, the, here's the danger. Here's the problem that, that many of us have in this room. We are distracted by many things. There are many things. We've got lives overflowing with plates spinning in so many directions, and we have so many things going on that we can find ourselves as followers of Jesus Christ that have been saved by the grace of God, that as we are pursuing 
pursuing Christ, we can find ourselves distracted by so many things that we spend so much of our lives giving so much of ourselves to things that mean very, very little. But Paul would want us to see, and he would want the church at Philippi to see, he would, he would want us to see in these moments that we can fix our eyes on Jesus. And then in light of his mercy and grace, and because of what Jesus has done in our lives, that we could give our lives to one thing, that we might gain Christ, that we might pursue Christ, and that our lives might share Christ with those who are around us. And as we do that, we would see that there's one thing that is worth everything. C.T. Studd said it this way, only one life will soon be passed, but only what's done for Christ. Will last. Only what's done for Christ will last. What are we living for? What are we running for? What are we pursuing in the midst of this life? And and he would give us instruction on what it looks like to, to press on. In verse 13, he says, I don't regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do. And then he says, forgetting what lies behind. He says, I'm forgetting what lies behind. You know, there's, there's videos that you can find of people that are running the race and they're doing so well and all of a sudden they begin to look back to see who is close to them and to see where the other athletes are. And in the time that they're looking back, what happens, David? They get past, right, because they're looking back. And, and we see this kind of illustration or this kind of picture that Paul's giving. So he says, I'm forgetting what's behind me. I'm not looking back, but I'm reaching and I'm pressing forward. I'm reaching forward. I'm leaping and I'm striving in. I saw a little video of somebody finishing a race and I thought it was a good example of just this leaping in. Check this out. This guy's pretty serious about the finish. You know, we love those moments, right, where people just reach in, right, and at the very end of the race, they're just leaning in with everything that they have. And so they're forgetting the past, and they're pressing on into the future. And so some of us need to lean into that when it comes to our past. We need to understand that, that, that we, need to, we need to forget these things in our past that God has forgiven us for. There, there are times, I, guilt, can I remind you, guilt does nothing to help the past. And, and, and none of us are perfect. None of us have already attained it. And I'm reminded often, right, uh, of my past. I, I was reminded uh, this week, right, as, as I engaged with different people of who I used to be. I, I was reminded uh, of people that, that grew up with me, people that knew who I was and, and what I looked like. But I'm so grateful that that's not who I am. And by the grace of God, listen, when I see those things, when I think of those things, it's immediate to go into this moment where Satan says, you know what? You, you're not worthy. Look, at all the things you've done. Look at who you were. Look at who these things are. But what I want you to understand is that those things are under the blood of Jesus Christ, and they've been forgiven. And some of us, we live in the guilt of the past when Jesus has paid for our sin on the cross of Christ, and he is enough. The work of the cross is enough. And we forget those things that are behind us, and we get in the race, and we run with everything we have for the glory of God. We forget our failures that are in the past. We forget those places. And I'm going to tell you something else. When Paul writes this he's listed all these things he's accomplished we forget the success of yesterday and we live in the moment that we're in listen we don't need to rest in yesterday's work we rest in the cross of Christ we rest in what he has done and we run until the finish line is there we run until that day that we take our last breath here or until Jesus comes back 
You know, I was so encouraged this morning. I met a family this morning. They were telling me about a family member, and he was 90 years old and still on the mission field in North Africa, still leading an orphanage. And, and yes, he may be slower than what he was many years ago, but his presence there, the impact that it was making and the respect that is there and the work that is happening. Listen, this thought that we might uh, just serve Jesus in this sometime in our past, and we might look back to that and think that somehow we have accomplished everything that Christ would have for us. Paul says, listen, I'm pressing on. We need to finish the course that is set before us. We need to finish the race. And it doesn't matter how young or how old you are, we are to run this race, the Scripture would say, with endurance. For the joy of Jesus, we saw his example in that, that he finished his course, right? That he took our place on a cross. And because of that, he has given us this call that we might run and pursue him and we strain forward. Look at verse 14. He said, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. Here's a statement I want you to soak in maturity in Christ produces humility in Christ. You see it in Paul's life. You see it in the life of believers. And if you've been born again, if you've, if you've been saved by God's grace, as you grow in his grace, there continues to be a greater awareness of our need for God's grace. As we grow in an understanding of who Jesus is, we see our sinfulness in greater light. And, and, and the cross continues to be beautiful. And the gospel continues to grow. The importance of the gospel in our lives continues to be magnified. You'll, you'll see a little illustration uh, on, on the board that I think points this out very well. And so if we're considering this a race, then we would see that we begin this race at conversion, that, we, uh, that that's really the starting line, that we are born again into the family of God, that we are saved by the grace of God. We respond to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We respond in repentance and faith, and we are born again into the family of God. And we begin this race. And at that time, we have a, a, an understanding of our sin. There's a conviction of our sin, and we have an understanding that the cross and, and that God in his grace and that in his mercy has provided a way for us to be forgiven of our sin. We understand a bit of the holiness and the greatness of our God and in response to that we surrender and we are saved and we gaze at the beauty of the cross but understand as the beauty of Christ and as we learn more and more about him the more that we learn about Jesus. If you look at the bottom chart the deeper we, and, and greater our knowledge and understanding of our sin and as we continue to grow in those things the gospel begins Begins to be more and more beautiful. The cross is bigger and bigger in our lives. And as we pursue Christ, as we run this race, it is that kind of picture where we are focused on one thing. And so if you are here this morning and you know you are in Christ, then run because you are in Christ. Verse 16, he says, However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. It's interesting. I'm, I'm going to share just one little thing that just was beautiful to me in this that I'd never seen before. In the Greek, it reads literally, let us walk according to that which we have arrived. And the word for walk, usually when you see the word walk in the scriptures, there's a word called peripateo that's used. It's a Greek word. This uh, was what I was expecting here, but, but it was a different word. And we, we read it as stoikos, and, and there's a word for walk here, this picture of keep living or this thought of walking. It's this picture of walking in line. It's this picture of, 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 of military formation. It's this picture of, of falling in formation or falling in line to this standard as the body of Christ. And when we read this, there's this picture that he says, 
Let us keep living by that same standard. Let us fall in line with this same standard. And so we see Paul. He's pursuing Christ. He's living for Jesus. He is following Jesus. And he is called into line with other believers that he might fix his eyes on the finish line and that he might run. And, and then here's the Apostle Paul. And he is saying, let us, let us, plural, let us as body of believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, let us run with this standard. Let us run assembled in formation. Listen, this is not a cruise ship that is looking for comfort. The church is a battleship that is on mission for the glory of Jesus Christ. And Paul would look around to those Romans uh, that might be guarding him and he would look to that church at Philippi and he would say, let's line up in military formation and let's strive on for the prize. And so not only do we run this race with our eyes fixed on Jesus, there's this picture that God has called us as followers of Jesus Christ to run this race together for the glory of his name that we might proclaim him, that we might know him, that we might Share in his glory and share in his resurrection and the beauty of who he is. And then it wouldn't be one of those things that we would say somehow we have to muster up our own strength to do this. But that we would recognize the race has already been run. That Jesus has finished this course. That we run resting in what he has done with all of our being with everything that we have we rest in what Christ has done we forget the past and we keep our eyes fixed on him you know some of us were beat up by our past some of us are beat up by our past from this week and if the truth is known but every one of us in this room we're not there yet and there's places this week that we have blown it and there's this temptation because we don't get it right that we just lay down and we stop one of my favorite races this year one of the the little girls on, on Hope's team Laura was running and she uh, hit the last hurdle and man just immediately face planted it was it was it was a vicious like man and she laid there for just a minute and then she just bounced up, and she ran, and she finished the course. And there's some of us that have been knocked down. There's some of us that have fallen. There's some of us that have been knocked down because of things around us. There's some of us that, man, we've gotten distracted, and we've fallen into sin, and we've gotten in, in all these different messes, right? Some of us, and we've fallen down. But listen, the race is not over. Get up and run. Rest in what Christ has done the race was never about you being perfect so that you could earn the end of the race and the prize. The race is about that you couldn't finish this course. You couldn't run in your own. You could never be good enough to run this race in your own strength. But Jesus came and he ran the race for you. He lived a sinless life. Then he died on a cross in your place so that you could be forgiven of your sin. And so not only did God treat Jesus like we deserve to be treated. Not only did he, did, he, did he take on all of our sin and all of our shame, right? But he lived a life that we couldn't live. And God credits us as if we had run that race. And we look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And we say, listen, I haven't attained it. We confess our sin and we get up and run. Don't let the enemy paralyze you because of your past. Don't let those things happen in your life and run with endurance the race that is set before you. Paul says there's this one thing I do. And I want to challenge you as we close this morning. What is one thing? You know, I think about our lives. They're filled with lots of things. You know, the big thing that really just resonated with me so much is, man, I'm distracted by so many things. 
And there's so many things that keep me from pursuing the one thing. And, and I want to challenge you. What is one thing, one thing that you're carrying that's not helping you with, to, to have speed on this race? One thing that you're carrying that is keeping you from running well? What is there, the one thing that's there? What's one thing you could just lay down? And what's one thing you could begin to do that would help you to run with endurance the race that is set before you? What's one thing that you could change? One thing, that, that, that one weight that's just weighing you down. Doesn't always, it's not always sin. It could be sin. It could be sin that we just need to lay down this morning. We're going to have a time where we respond to all that God has done, where we just worship Him. It could be that in that time that, that, that you want to just pray and ask God to forgive you of sin and to lay that sin down. It could be that, that in that time you're saying, Lord, I, these things are not sinful. But they're, they're not. One, one theologian says they're not helping you run, right? They're not, they're not working in a way that, that is causing you uh, to, to run this race better. And, it, you know, for, for my wife and I, there was a season where we just kind of got rid of everything uh, around us. We, we were listening to all kinds of different music, all kinds of different things. And we just said, you know what? It wasn't that these things were sinful. I'm not saying that listening to some kind of me. I'm not, and I'm not telling you this is what you need to do. Get rid of this and replace it with this. But for us, it was like, hey, I'm going to get rid of all these other things. And when I'm listening to music, I'm going to listen to music that's worshipful. I'm going to listen to things that will encourage me and help me to see Jesus in a greater way. I'm, I'm going to start my day uh, with the word of God open instead of scrolling through mindless hours of social media. Uh, what is one thing that you could lay down and one thing that you could take up that you could run this race more because one thing, this is the way God works, right? When in prayer and in reading of his word, there's one thing that changes everything. Some of you may be here and you've never began this race. Some of you may be here and you've been a spectator. Maybe, maybe you were like me for a lot of years of your life. You saw other people and you, you said, you know what? They're, they're, they're kind of running this thing, but they're perfect and they've, they're doing it all right. And I could never even fit in with them. I, and maybe you're, you've seen other people run, other Christians, and you've said, well, if that's what that looks like, then I don't need any more of that because they're hypocrites or they're this and that. I want you to understand that outside of Jesus, they're all imperfect people that you watch. But when you look at this and you see in the Apostle Paul's life, you see the joy that he has as he's following Jesus. You see what Jesus has done and you see the lives of authentic followers of Christ who are not there yet but are striving. And by the way, that's what we want. That, that's, that's the greatest desire that we could have is that our family and the people that know us best would say, you know what, he's not there yet. But every day he is striving to look more like Jesus. Every day he is doing all that he can to pursue Christ. And some of you might be in a place this morning where you'd say, you know what, I don't have this. I have my life is, is filled with sin. I, I, I have this guilt that I carry around. I have this fear of death that, that won't go away. I'm petrified of those things. I, I, I try. And, and, and this emptiness, you know, I was talking to, to a waiter yesterday, and I was asking him how I could pray for him. And he, he was talking to me. He said, I just pray that I could somehow have peace inside me. He said, I pray. He said, would you just pray that somehow I could find that thing. And I want you to understand that it is only found in Jesus Christ. It is only found. Something is missing in your life if you are striving in that way. And the one thing that changes everything is Jesus. And when you place your faith and trust in him, like Paul, you will be able to say that all these things that I've pursued, that all these things that I've tried to fill my life with, that I consider them of no value in light of knowing Jesus Christ and what God will give you in the place of those things. I used to think there is no way I could have any fun not doing all these things. And I could fill in all these blanks that I used to try to find peace and that I tried to find satisfaction and that I tried to find fulfillment in. But when I met Jesus and when I got 
got a glimpse of the glory and the greatness of who he is, all those things became unimportant and you won't miss him. So I don't know where you're at this morning. But if Jesus is not the sinner, respond to him this morning. Repent of your sins. Trust him. The finished work of the cross in your place for salvation where you might look to the cross and say what Jesus did on that cross. It counted for me and I believe and trust in Jesus. And if you've done that, you can rest in the work of Christ and get up and run. No matter if you've been knocked down, no matter if you've been beaten up, no matter where you're at, allow this moment to be that time where you say, you know what, I'm running and I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus and he is worth everything.